Pastor Hemi has introduced a new series on Navigate Wisely, which is going to be mainly based on the book of Proverbs. It's a very, it's quite interesting book of the Bible um, to, to preach on. And uh, last week, as she was introducing the book and the theme, I was, I was so amazed how she listed the couple of proverbs um, and the congregation you were able to complete and finish the, the proverb. I'm not expecting you to do the same with me this morning, uh, but I thought I would share a few proverbs that I grew up uh, with. Can I, can I have my slide going on? Okay. The one which is in black is in Swahili, and the one which is in red it is in English. And I'm going to try my best to, as I said, I'm not expecting you to finish the sentence, so don't worry. The first one says, which pretty much means the end of any race is you have to stop. Doesn't matter how fast you run or how much you like running. We were not meant to live running. You come at a point where you get tired and you need a break. The second one. This, this was pretty much a very classic African proverb where you have the first sentence which has nothing to do with the second statement, but they are meant to say the same thing. This is what it says in Swahili. Which means, as clever as Guinea fall is, it fits still black. As you can see, they're pretty much unrelated. I don't know if in the US you rear Guinea falls domestically, but back home I've seen a few families where they'll have chickens, they'll have ducks, and they also have Guinea falls, which are rare at home. And when you compare the Guinea falls with chicken and ducks, this seems to be a little bit too much clever. But it looks like that cleverness never helped them to clean their own feet. Um, which simply means that you cannot think that you are clever enough. At one point, there is, still all, there is always something that you miss out. Uh, let me get the, probably the last one. OK. This is also another classic one. It says this, The context says, as a hunter, when you hunt a hog, you know, when you throw the arrow, you rejoice because you've, you've killed the hog. But if we use the same arrow to piece you, that will hurt. It's our African version of do unto others what you would like others to do unto you. Uh, I think we're gonna let, gonna let go the last, the last slide. The point that I was trying to raise with these ones is proverbs are universal. You find them in, um, you find them in uh, every culture, every context, wherever you go, they are proverbs. The last one, um, I grew up hearing this a lot from my mom, but it says this, 
which says, the one who thought was clever, one day he bypassed their own houses and forgot and went to the neighbor's house. So thought it was too clever that they couldn't realize their own house. Thank you, Tech. Once again, I strongly believe that whether the ones, the Proverbs that we are reading in the Bible, whether the ones that Pastor Hemi and Joe uh, listed last week, whether these ones, they are all divine in one way, because people came to a point where they came up with these Proverbs, and we understand that they came from a place of wisdom, and we know that wisdom is something, is a gift that God gives us. But the scripture that we've read today mainly focus on friendship. What does the Proverbs that we have in the Bible says about friendship? And I can pretty much group the Proverbs in two. The one that we hear in Proverbs 13, 20, and 27, 17, which pretty much says, surround yourself with good people. You should be able to make good choices about who you choose to be around you. Because the people we hang out with, the people we bring into our inner circle, whether we like it or not, they influence us in one way or another. The second one, which I can pretty much take, Proverbs 17, 17 and Proverbs 18, 24, and then group them together. They are just talking about how friends should be, things we should look into friend. They say friend is somebody who will always be there, which made me thought of Sometimes we have, you know, a friend is somebody who is not going to be scared to tell you the truth in your face. Even when you screw up big time and when everybody runs away from you, they will still be there. Now, this proverb, this seems a little bit straightforward and simple. But for my message this morning, I would like us to turn the tables the other way around. Because as human beings, it's very easy to put a high expectation on who we want to be around us. You know, it's very easy to say, I want that type of a person. I want somebody who is loyal around me, somebody wise. But one thing that I would like us to wrestle with it this morning is, can you say where you are as you are wise enough that anybody would like to be friends with you? It's easy to say, like, I want wise friends, people who will be loyal, people who will stand by me. Or, in other words, if I should say, for people that you call friends, do you stick around when they have done wrong? Or you are like just everybody else who disappears in their lives as well? One thing I love about our Christian faith is and even when we take decisions to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, it's always started by, it, it's a personal decision. The transformation that we undergo is a personal transformation before it becomes a communal transformation. So in as much as we are reading this Proverbs, which is telling us what we should look in people that we should have closer to us, it should reflect, it should be a mirror whereby we are saying, Am I a wise friend enough that everybody would like to be my friend? Pastor Amy mentioned this last week as she was introducing this, and she mentioned 
the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, as, as, as it says in the book of Proverbs, at the beginning of Proverbs. Do you fear God enough that people would like to befriend you? I always believe that evangelism, I have nothing, I have nothing against having boards on the streets writing Jesus is Lord and that public display of evangelism. But I also strongly believe that our lives in itself can speak louder than a board that we can have. Do you fear enough God in your life such that people will look your life and they'll be like, I want to know which church he or she goes to. I want to know the God that he or she serves. And I'm sure I've, I've mentioned this before. And I think if, if we have this understanding of our faith, it can probably challenge us to live our faith in a very different way. I always see this as, let's say, um, I don't think the level that, let's say, Bill gets, the level that he has reached, he personally works on Microsoft software himself. Even if, if we take Elon Musk, I don't think he, he pretty much, not quite sure, but I don't think that as the CEO that they are, they work themselves with their own hands or Elon Musk go into the industry and work on the Tesla cars himself. But as the CEOs, they delegate the duties to other people. This is always how I always see the kingdom of God and how God reigns and rules. He runs through me and you. No wonder when we read in the Old Testament, he preferred to be identified with other people. The God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac, the God who walked with Moses, the God who walked with Joshua. It always amazes me that in everything that God can speak, it is hard for him to clearly tell us what his name is. That's quite interesting. But it's clear because he reigned through me and you. He has delegated his image, his authority, his power to me and you. Such that the closest things that the world can have to Jesus is me and you. Going back to my question, do we think we are, we are wise enough that anybody in our community, in our family would like to befriend us? Or if I want to put it in the way the Bible says it, do you think that we fear God enough? Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And when, when you live a life that you fear God, it influences, it shapes your life in a certain type of way. We see this even with the practice of baptism that we do. It is not only a rituals that we do where we are digged into the water or when we make few recitations about accepting Jesus. It has a way that it transforms our lives because when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, 
there is that responsibility and expectation to walk and to live in a certain type of way. And before you realize it, you have a lifestyle that reflects God, that reflects Jesus, such that you love like Jesus would, would like to love. In other words, you love the world the way Jesus would love the world. You love your neighbors the way Jesus would love your neighbors. You serve the world, you serve people around you, family, friends, the way Jesus will do. Because you have accepted him and he has transformed your life that way. This is going to be my invitation for all of us this morning. In as much as these proverbs that we've read sound very simple, I would like us to, whenever we read them, we realize that in as much as we want to put a high expectation on who we want in our surrounding, let first check ourselves and see, are we good enough that anybody would like to be close to us? If you are not, that means we still have the work to do because we represent God, we represent Jesus. May God bless his word. Amen.